0: the right. Greetings. This is podcast number 80 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com. www.TheRationalRadical.com Today, we're going to discuss yet another way the Bush administration is continuing to push its radical right agenda even without control of Congress. In this case, it's the emasculate the government, cut taxes on the wealthy agenda, all accomplished by them through some until now hidden workings of the Internal Revenue Service. Well, let's get right into it. I'll tell you upfront that this isn't a page one headline type story. But it's a very useful story for understanding broadly used standard-issue right-wing tactics and for learning how to debunk and effectively counter right-wing propaganda, all regarding issues even substantively unrelated to tax collection. My primary source is an article by David K. Johnston in the New York Times. He does extraordinary reporting in the tax arena. Besides this and another New York Times article, my sources are the Boston Globe, QuoteWorld.org, CarpetbaggerReport.com, and the website of Senator Carl Levin. Every year the IRS is supposed to audit a sampling of large corporations to determine whether they're following the law and paying all the taxes they legitimately owe. Corporations paying all the taxes they legitimately owe? What kind of nonsense is that? In a policy begun by the Bush administration in 2003, quote, Top officials at the Internal Revenue Service are pushing agents to prematurely close audits of big companies with agreements to have them pay only a fraction of the additional taxes that could be collected, close quote. This is according to dozens of IRS agents. Apparently, the IRS has adopted quite a strange approach to conducting investigations, quote auditors said they were told to limit questioning only to those specific issues that the IRS and the companies had agreed in advance to examine. When other questionable deductions emerged in the course of the audit, additional taxes were ignored. Quote. Oh, I get it. The subject of the investigation has to agree to be investigated about something before the IRS will investigate that issue. When a new issue is discovered in the course of the audit, one that the subject of the investigation hasn't agreed to put on the agenda, you can't go there. Quote, One long-time auditor in New York said that, when ordered not to pursue an issue, you just write, closed per case manager, to cover yourself. Close quote. Closed per case manager, an innocuous bureaucratic phrase hiding horrendous wrongdoing that hurts all of us who do pay the taxes we legitimately owe. The inappropriateness of this IRS approach is perfectly mocked by Ron McGinley, an IRS economist who retired shortly after the new policy was put in effect in 2003. Referring to crime boss John Gotti, who was known as the Teflon Don, McGinley said, quote, the way they limit audits is like the FBI going to the Teflon Don and saying, we'd like to look around, so what are you willing to let us see? Quote. Exactly. If you're investigating loan sharking and you discover some dead bodies in the crime boss's backyard, just look the other way. Because it wasn't something you agreed with the crime boss that you could investigate. When a corporation commits tax fraud, Not only should it pay all the taxes it owes, but a penalty on top of that. Here, not only is there no penalty, but only a fraction of the taxes owed are being paid. You may be wondering, how are IRS officials prettifying the premature closing of these investigations? They're taking an otherwise fine IRS policy, whose goal it is to avoid delays in the auditing of corporations, and applying it blindly. IRS agents, quote, said a policy intended to avoid delays in auditing corporations was being pushed so rigidly that it prevented them from pursuing numerous examples of questionable corporate tax deductions. Individual auditors in eight states interviewed over the last seven months told of case managers and higher supervisors ordering them to drop issues because it would prevent closing the audit by a predetermined date. Close quote. "so the supposed overriding importance of meeting a date deadline is used to justify ignoring new areas of tax fraud discovered during the course of an audit and what do you think's going to happen when companies know that there are unalterable time deadlines being imposed on irs audit teams does the word stall come to mind according to the auditors some companies quote Took advantage of the shortened time periods to delay turning over crucial documents until the end of the audit. Two auditors told of corporations that, when asked for a specific document, produce thousands of pages of ill organized material in an apparent effort to waste their time and limit the issues that would be fully examined. Both auditors said they complained to supervisors, but to no avail. Close quote. Very nice, very nice. Is the picture becoming crystal clear? These terrible pre-agreements about what can be investigated even extend into the area of one of the most nefarious corporate tax practices, sheltering profits in offshore tax havens. Understandably, this gets the IRS agents, who are only trying to make the corporations play by the rules everyone else has to obey, this gets these IRS agents really upset. Quote, Many of these agents said they were troubled most when the sums involved pre-negotiated agreements with the IRS on how much profit multinational companies could take overseas in tax havens and how much must be taken inside the United States. They're giving away the store, one agent in New Jersey said. Close quote. How much is this store worth? The IRS estimated in 2001 that $30 billion a year was lost in tax revenue from corporate offshore tax haven abuse. How much of that is not being caught because of these prematurely closed audits? Who knows? We do know that agents are being denied the tools to do their job in this area. Agents told of being refused access to specialists, including economists, engineers, and historians, because if these specialists developed an issue, the order would have to continue past the deadline. They're not letting us do our job, which is to enforce the law, said one IRS auditor who handles the most complicated international cases. Enforce the law? Sounds like something the right-wingers would want except when it costs them or their corporate patrons money. Before any of you right-wingers start complaining, oh, this information is coming from a few bad apples, let's be clear. The article is based on interviews with about 50 auditors, and all 50 agreed large corporations were getting away with paying far less than they owe. This is happening nationwide, not just in a particular locale or two. Quote, Across the country, several presidents of local IRS union chapters said there had been a steady flow of complaints from auditors, specialists, and others who examine tax returns that they are not being allowed to do their jobs. Close quote. Those with a national point of view concur. Quote. Colleen M. Kelly, president of the National Treasury Employees Union, said that there was widespread unhappiness in the ranks about the quality of audits. We have been hearing complaints since they started the policies of short cycle time and limited scope audits. Short cycle time and limited scope. I guess those are the auditor terms of art for this right wing scam. Are all these dozens of auditors that were interviewed disgruntled employees? Are they all Democrats politicizing the issue? Maybe they're all Islamic terrorists trying to undermine our financial system. What possible motive could they all have to be speaking up if there were not something truly worth speaking about, some true right-wing wrongdoing occurring? Let's take a break, and when we return, we'll have a good time laughing at some of the right-wing-style justifications IRS officials use to defend this let-the-big-corporations-off-the-hook. Approach. My girlfriend doesn't call people names. She doesn't think that liberals are insane. My girlfriend is not involved by in her looks. My girlfriend does not write hateful books, but she can cook. So I guess my girlfriend is no end culture. My girl has a soldier. She got no chips on her shoulder. And I thank God that she's no end colder. Before we get back to the main segment, your one-minute voting report. A wild and crazy beginning of the month at Podcast Alley. One of its two servers went down for a couple of days, so half of you could vote, half couldn't. Thanks to all of you who wrote in to let me know. Then, shortly after the site was back up, voting was suspended because of cheating. Voting's back on, so you can go vote now. We're hanging in there at number 10 and need a lot more votes to stay in the top 10 the rest of the month. Thanks to everyone for stepping up the vote total so far. Let's keep a flood of votes coming in throughout the month of February. Towards that end, I want to make everyone an offer you can't refuse. Or so I hope. You get a half hour a week, two hours a month, of a show you enjoy listening to. And what will I ask in return? Ten seconds of your time once a month to go vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley. Which you can do from the one click link on the podcast homepage. Two hours for 10 seconds. You could even go vote right now if you want to. Deal? Cool. <music> Continuing on, we have here a primer a veritable treasure trove of right-wing tactics used to sabotage good government and allow corporate wrongdoing to prosper and grow. We'll identify and analyze these tactics and debunk any accompanying propaganda. You can then mentally file the information for retrieval the next time you encounter this type of right-wing behavior. The first tactic we've touched on earlier Take a policy with a good goal, but twist that policy to accomplish a bad goal. The policy with a good goal is to avoid delays in corporate audits. Fine. We don't want things dragging on so long that the money owed never gets paid. But then IRS auditors are forbidden from pursuing new wrongdoing that turns up because it would push the audit over the projected completion date. Frank Heffler is president of the Manhattan Union Local. Manhattan, not surprisingly, has the most IRS corporate tax auditors in the country. Heffler said, quote, Agents in the large and mid-sized business division complain to me constantly that what are supposed to be estimated dates to complete audits are hard deadlines. Close quote. As is often the case with these right-wing scams, the official written policy covers their butt. Quote, K. Rogers, the union president in Orange County, California, said that official IRS policy calls upon auditors to do the right thing and pursue an audit beyond the deadline if the issues warrant it, close quote. So why doesn't that happen? Why are projected dates being turned into audit-killing absolute time limits? Because of a perverse policy that rewards speed, not improved results for an audit. According to Ms. Rogers, powerful incentives have been created for supervisors to sweep things under the rug as long as audits get closed within the allowed time period. Supervisors actually receive, quote, cash bonuses, promotions, and other benefits, close quote, when their audits are closed within a specified time period. These goodies aren't rewarded based on what you think they should be, how high quality the audits are, or how much money is collected. No, as Ms. Rogers aptly observed, quote, when a person is rewarded monetarily for keeping to the cycle time, close quote, they'll make damn sure the audits close in time for them to get their rewards. As you see, IRS officials have created a system that to any rational person observing it would clearly lead to audits being cut off before they should be. I wonder if in other federal agencies under the Bush administration, powerful incentives are also being created to prematurely close investigations and let wrongdoers off lightly. So, after creating incentives for perverse, anti-public good behavior, what does the right wing do next? It does its best to make sure such wrongdoing never sees the light of day. It creates an atmosphere of fear and helplessness to discourage whistleblowing. The New York Times found that with just two exceptions, quote, working agents would talk about the issue only on condition that they not be identified because they feared being fired. Close quote. Okay, you don't want to be a public whistleblower, but what about complaining inside the agency? The rights got that covered as well. For one thing, potential internal whistleblowers know it would be useless. National Treasury Employees Union President Colleen Kelly, quote, said any agent who went up the chain of command would have the complaint rejected out of hand. The agents are told that this is the scope of the order and this is the time you have to deliver. Their professional judgment is being ignored, close quote. Worse than that, they would jeopardize their careers by doing so. One auditor, quote, was asked why she did not file an official memo indicating that she disagreed and that she believed it was premature or improper to close the audit. Why would I do that, the auditor replied. So my manager will give me a bad performance review? Others gave similar explanations, close quote. If despite the right's best efforts, some whistleblowing does become public, the right has its further game plan down pat. It starts with outright denial. Quote, In an interview yesterday, Debbie Nolan, the IRS executive in charge of auditing large and medium-sized businesses, denied that audits were being closed over the objections of agents who had evidence that significant additional taxes were owed. Ms. Nolan said she had not heard any such complaints from auditors. Close quote. In the face of dozens of agents claiming the contrary, Ms. Nolan just says, Not so. I haven't heard anything about this. I don't know if she has and is lying, or really hasn't. If she hasn't, of course, that's because of the very atmosphere inside the agency discouraging any complaints about these practices. What's next in the right-wing playbook beyond pure denial? Well. If some whistleblowing does become public, how about some trashing the messenger? Quote, IRS officials said the complaints were misguided. Ms. Nolan said that such comments reflected the difficulty many IRS veterans were having in adapting to new policies, not any flaws in those policies. Close quote. Ah, the complainers are misguided, the poor souls. They're veterans having difficulty adapting to new policies. The policies aren't flawed, heaven knows. It's the veterans who can't change their crusty old ways. The next time a right-winger starts attacking the messenger, tell them to stop it and address the facts presented instead. After denigrating those who speak out, the right then goes on the offensive. In their patented, Flip reality on its head approach. As Richard Pryor, in one of his famous routines, said to his wife after being caught in bed with another woman, Who you gonna believe me or your lying eyes? Sort of like Dick Cheney saying things are going well in Iraq when everyone else in the world knows it's quite the opposite, we have Ms. Nolan claiming that the audit process is actually going well. Quote. On the whole, we're moving in the right direction, she said. All of our indicators tell me that we are doing the right thing. quote. How does she back up that assertion? With enticing but misleading numbers. Quote. She noted that the amount of additional tax recommended for each hour order to spend on large and medium-sized companies more than doubled to $5,195 in 2006 from $2,394 in 2002. Quote. These numbers are misleading because the increase didn't result from an improved auditing system. Rank and file auditors said that the sharp rise in tax dollars collected per hour of audit was not a sign of an improved auditing system, but simply reflected the fact that. Abusive and illegal tax shelters had become so common that it was easy to find additional taxes due, close quote. Besides there being more low-hanging fruit, quote, James Lynch, who retired 18 months ago after two decades auditing large corporations in the San Diego area, said that, of course, dollars per hour are up because they put in smaller teams and you just grab what you can and get out, close quote. Easier pickings and smaller teams, the dollar per hour rate goes up. Irrelevant to whether taxes due are being ignored. Ms. Nolan also makes a blanket, reality is not reality, claim. She says that, quote, Internal reviews of corporate tax audits showed that their quality had improved, close quote. The rebuttal to this improved quality assertion? Quote, Mr. Johnson and some of the agents said that IRS management reports indicate that the quality of audits was improving only because the agency did not accurately record these actions. One longtime auditor in New York said that when ordered not to pursue an issue, you just write, close per case manager to cover yourself. Close quote. False records show improved quality. Impressive. Impressive. But you know what? Even if the quality had improved by some measure, and even if the dollars collected per audit hour were up because of some modified procedures, those would still not be a relevant defense to the incomplete audit charge. Because even if things are better in some respects, they're not as good as they need to be overall to protect the public. It's just like when right-wingers in Congress raised the amount of oxygen that miners had to be provided from one to two hours. Terrific! They doubled it. Give them a hand. Only thing is, a neutral body studying the issue had determined that 48 hours was required since trapped miners are usually not reached by rescuers for a day or two. Improvement, yes, but not enough to provide adequate protection. Likewise. Even if audit procedures have improved in certain respects, an assertion disputed as noted by IRS employees, even if this claim of the IRS official is accepted as true, it's irrelevant. The audits are still terribly deficient in another way, and the public interest is not being adequately protected overall. These are then the right-wing tactics being used to create, Defend and justify the IRS get out of jail free card approach to corporate tax audits. Let's now make explicit how this serves the overall right wing anti government, anti tax agenda. Anything the right can do to eviscerate, emasculate, to destroy those parts of the government that serve the average citizen, that protect the majority of Americans from abuse they will do. The IRS is being so weakened by an exodus of experienced auditors. Quote, Across the country, several presidents of local IRS union chapters said some of the most highly trained and respected auditors had quit or planned to leave the moment they were eligible to retire. Close quote. According to Melanie Fox, one of only two currently working auditors who was brave enough to allow herself to be quoted by name, quote, A large number of the most experienced corporate auditors plan to retire as quickly as they can because they feel their efforts are not respected. A lot of audit experience is about to walk out the door, Ms. Fox said, and then what will happen? Close quote. What will happen is, the right-wing foxes in charge of the henhouse will be even less restrained in their evil doing. Just what the right-wing wants, experienced and effective protectors of the public trust, to leave government. You may recall that we discussed many podcasts ago a similar result of right-wing efforts in the Department of Justice where because of Bush non-enforcement of civil rights policies, quote, Morale has plunged and experienced lawyers are leaving the division, quote. Don't enforce civil rights laws. Don't enforce tax laws on big corporations. Drive out those who do. Right-wing mainstays. Finally, there's that right-wing mainstay that's the biggest of all. Transfer wealth to the already wealthy at the expense of everyone else. As many of the auditors interviewed complained, the effect of the IRS's limited-time, limited-issue audit policy is to, quote, allow the Bush administration to achieve administratively a further easing of the corporate income tax burden far beyond what Congress had approved legislatively, close quote. Far beyond what they could even get the GOP-controlled Congress to agree to in the last six years. Someone posting a comment at carpetbaggerreport.com summed it up nicely, quote, This is a backdoor tax cut. Don't pay anything at first, then negotiate a fractional payment at the audit, Close quote. We must contrast this with the Bush administration's completely opposite draconian treatment of the working poor, as noted in my year in review, Podcast 74, the right-wingers first imposed unprecedented pre-approval documentation requirements on low-income workers seeking to receive their earned income tax credit. Far more stringent requirements than imposed on rich taxpayers or any other taxpayers. Then, to add insult to injury... The Bush IRS illegally withheld the actual earned income tax credit payments legitimately due a million and a half of the working poor without even telling them. The rule of law indeed. Personal responsibility. Where is it? Where is personal responsibility for that fictitious person we call a corporation? Everything else be damned, if it can shovel a few more greenbacks into the insatiable maw of the right wing. Crippling the IRS's ability to rein in corporate tax fraud is one part of that effort. On the broadest scale, what Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes famously said is so relevant here, quote, Taxes are the price we pay for civilization, close quote. Civilization, as most of us expect it to be, isn't what right-wingers want. They prefer their desired end is a feudal structure with a handful of the citizenry controlling the vast bulk of the wealth. Starving the government of tax revenue is one way the right hopes to achieve their goal. It's up to us progressives to stop them. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Consider coming over to the podcast homepage and subscribing. It's free! Music credits. The break music was My Girlfriend is No Ann Coulter by Lucky Man Clark and Not the One Blues by Bernshee Thornside. We'll close with a bit of Clinton is to Blame-O by The Freedom Toast. Links to all the music I play on Blasterite can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at Adelphia.net. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. If you prefer, you can leave your comment on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.